He's already been dead and it's messed with his head. It's John's post-life crisis. Welcome to John's post-life crisis. I am your host, John Johnston, founder of Coordination.com, your Nebraska Cornhusker site of, eh, it's not terrific fun right now because we're not in a bowl game, but this episode we are talking to somebody who's in a big bowl game or whose team's in a big bowl game. Uh, Billy Gomilla, managing editor of the SB Nation LSU site and the Valley Shook. As you know, LSU is one of the four teams selected for the college football playoff. Billy, how are you doing today? Doing well, doing well. On my way to work this fine morning. So, and the Valley Shook, could you explain the, the meaning of the website name before we get into your team? Sure. Uh, well, it, it's an old. It's a reference to it to a, a legendary game in LSU history, where uh, from the 1980s, known as the Earthquake Game, where Tommy Hodson hit Eddie Fuller to beat a, a top ten Auburn team. Uh, I think it was it was on the fourth down, or it was the last second. I forget which one, but uh, the stadium roared so loud that a seismograph on campus started twitching and registered the registered Tiger Stadium as a small earthquake. So ever since then, you know, it's been one of those legend, those great stories of, of Tiger Stadium lore. And I didn't come up with the name for the site originally, but uh, it was before my time. But, it, you know, it's always kind of it's, it's always kind of fit. Well, I, ca- I came up with Corn Nation. I've been around for a while, but if, if I leave, somebody else is going to get stuck with that name. So and it, it literally means nothing except stupidity. <laughs> so. <laughs> Um, before we get into your team this year, let's talk about Ed Orgeron. Uh, he's a guy who, I mean, he started at Old Miss as the head coach. It was a disaster. It was chronicled in Bruce Feldman's book, The Meat Market. Uh, he went to, he went around, he got fired at Old Miss, ended up at USC. Lane Kiffin is fired. He's taken over as the interim head coach, they pass him over because he just had too much baggage left over from Ole Miss. And he really, that kind of personality probably wouldn't have fit at USC anyway. He goes to LSU, Les Miles is fired. He gets his his shot at being the head coach at LSU. What what did you think when he was, when he, when Les Miles was fired and he was the interim coach, what did you think about Ed Ordron? Well, because we were coming off the time at USC, and I remember, you know, when things were going really well at USC, sitting and talking to a friend who is now actually a support staff person for Ogeron, who was, you know, got to be very good friends with him. But, you know, they really should just hire Ogeron. I mean, what's the worst that could happen? Even if he's a, even if this interim thing's a mirage, and he goes immediately back to behaving like he did at Ole Miss, he'll recruit really well, and the guy that comes in behind him will be set up, and and you can do a lot worse than that. And of course we both kind of was like, yeah, but they're not going to do that. There, there's no way. And then we even laugh when they hired Sarkeesian. It's like, okay, but if you were going to hire Steve Sarkeesian, you should have just hired Ogeron. And uh, so he ends up here, you know, and then as the Les Miles era started to unravel and, and all the signs are pointing towards Jimbo Fisher. And I was never a huge Jimbo Fisher fan, partially just because, it was one of those things where it, it just it, okay, yeah, that's fine. He's the I guess the most qualified candidate, 
it's just kind of boring and we're going to make him, we're going to have to make him the highest paid coach. And I don't think he's worth that. I don't think he's better than Nick Saban. Why are we going to spend more money than Nick Saban for somebody who's not going to beat him, et cetera. And, you know, Miles holds on for a year. And the funny thing was that at that time I said, I mean, all things considered, I don't know who else they're looking at, but they, they should consider just giving Ed a run and see what he does. So then Miles gets fired, Ed gets the interim job, and immediately I was like, well, I mean, look, if he shows he can turn this thing around, because things look pretty bad at that point. You know, a preseason top five team already had two losses in September, and it's okay, this offense is scraping the bottom of the barrel with almost everybody back from a, a 2015 offense that, while it was very limited throwing the ball, had the best running back in the country and, you know, one of the best running games in the, in the country that year. So it, it, it shouldn't have been that bad. And very quickly we saw things got better almost instantly. Under Ogeron and Steve Ensminger, they just kind of they, – they changed the quarterback. They, they did a few things differently. But obviously you can't just take a whole new playbook in one year. But all of a sudden LSU started playing like a top-10 caliber team for most of that run. And the week of Thanksgiving, it, it becomes relayed to me through back channels that, okay, yeah, they're, they're, they're still talking to Fisher, but he's maybe not the guy that they, that, that they really, really want. They, they're just talking to him because of, of, you know, some power brokers really want him. And I'm like, okay. Because keep in mind, they lose to Florida on a last-second play in a, you know, really kind of a crazy, fluky game with a lot of turnovers and, and crazy plays. And we think, okay, that was it. He, he had to win that game to keep the job, and at least, you know, I think that would have put him at seven and one that interim year. So he's not going to, or it would have been, it would have been, it was the second loss of he had as the interim. So we're like, okay, this is that, that was it. It's probably going to be in Jim Fisher or whatever. You know, we were just kind of resigned to it. And then that week, LSU goes to A and M and just dog beats the heck out of them and that night it comes out that okay LSU's talked to Tom Herman and they basically got a deal in place and it's okay well Tom Herman that's an interesting hire I wasn't completely sold on him but I would have been fine with it uh and then of course Tom Herman's camp sends up a giant signal flare to Texas that hey you got if you guys really want him you all got to do something here and they fire Charlie Strong Tom Herman blows off LSU for the job and and Ed was basically the next guy on the list and he had done just well enough for them to be able to sell, sell things. And he, you know, he kind of pitched his plan for, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to keep Dave Aranda. I'm going to hire some other really good coordinators and, and have the best staff and, and recruit like crazy. And, you know, we're going to do this thing. And ever and that's more or less what he did, you know, that it, it involved Lane Kiffin, oddly enough. And, Lane Kevin gets a head coaching job, so they try the Matt Canada experiment. That kind of blows up. But ever since then, he, he's pretty much done what he said he was going to do. And, and it's been really fun to watch. It's it's great to see a guy who, you know, when you really look at Ed Ogeron's career, it's a testament to, you know, kind of falling down and, and picking yourself back up. And both in his personal life and, you know, he had, he had his issues with, uh, with you know, some, some tussling up in the bars when he was younger in Miami and uh, he's kind of overcome all that. He, he's, and you know, he's married and got his kids and, you know, 
his wife's a very nice lady and, and everything has been said. And, and he, he very much showed, and, I, and you picked up on this when he was at USC, that, okay, he basically realized I have to do everything exactly the opposite of how I did it at an Ole Miss. And to me, what, what that really spoke to me is something that we just don't see with a lot of coaches anymore. It's that they realize when they fail, okay, I, I've got to do something completely different here. Let's do that. And, you know, I, I thought he showed that at USC, and he's shown that here at LSU. I think it, his story is amazing because I, I reviewed Meat Market when it came out, and then I interviewed Bruce Feldman about it. And for a man, you know, I mean, even us people who aren't coaches and we get to be – I'm 57 years old because now I'm old and crusty. And, I mean, when you get to that point, you look at yourself and you go, you know, maybe I should change some things about myself. There's not a lot of people that do that. There just aren't. You know, we all tend to just go, well, the, the rest of the world has a problem. I don't have a problem. So to look at his trajectory has been amazing. Uh, I want to say that I'm rooting for LSU, but I'm not going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> I, t- I talked to the Ohio State guy yesterday, and uh, I really like Ohio State, even though I'm in the Big Ten Conference and they stomped the crap out of my team. Uh, I like their team, but – Team, I haven't gotten to see LSU play a lot this this year. Uh, other than Joe Burrow, and we'll get to him in a minute, tell me about the rest of the LSU team. Why this year? Why is so explosive? What's made them so good? Well, you know, coming into this year, I was confident that the offense would be improved because it was returning just about everybody from the year before. And, you know, last year uh, – it was kind of everybody talked about the same old, same old, and it was, and that was true to an extent, but they were also completely just breaking in. Everybody was new, new offensive lineman, new quarterback who had just arrived that summer, you know, young receiving core, new running backs, and, and, and kind of some of the least heralded running backs in terms of recruiting rankings that LSU'd had in a while, you know, going from uh, Leonard Fournette and Darius Geis to, 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 a, to Nick Brissett and, and then Clyde Edwards Hilaire. So I, I was pretty confident coming back. Like, okay, well, they're going to be better. You know, the, it, we'll see how, how this, all this talk of a new, of a new scheme translates. But, you know, just on experience, they ought to be, they ought to be better. So we see in the spring game that, okay, they, they spent the whole game in the shotgun with no huddle. That's definitely different. That's, we've never seen that before from LSU. And then, it's really kind of all come together perfectly in terms of what, you know, they, they brought in Joe Brady, who was a Joe Moorhead guy who was with him at Penn State and then went from there and spent some time with the New Orleans Saints. And he and Steve Ensminger got to know each other because when Steve Ensminger, you know, ascended to LSU's offense coordinator spot, he, he leaned on guys he knew, especially in the NFL ranks, who – you know, were good offensive coaches. He was good friends with Doug Peterson at the Eagles. He, you know, he knew guys on Sean Payton's staff. So he went and met with him, and he met Joe Joe Brady, who's just now 30 years old. Who's a young, you know, off offensive assistant, probably not even making that much money. And they kind of hit it off. And so when it came time to make to make another staff addition, he goes to Ed and says, "Hey, I think we should hire." Joe and then Joe says okay well look we can we can bring in you guys say you want to spread this thing out and and run more of a spread offense I can I can help you guys do that and so it's been funny they talk about we're running the New Orleans Saints offense it's really more kind of the 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 Joe Moorhead Penn State offense with a little bit of flavor from the Saints and 
it, it, it's worked perfectly with a, a, you know you get a, a fifth year senior quarterback who is in graduate courses, so he has time to kind of just be a film junkie and really work to develop himself. You had a group of receivers that were all very highly recruited that are kind of ascending all at the right time and, and kind of putting it together. It's Jamar Chase, who won the Bolitnikoff Award this year, is the best receiver, putting up just huge numbers. He was a, a, a big-time recruit, and everybody kind of felt confident that he was ready to make that next step, and he's gone gangbusters. Uh, and then you have Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, who – is not the traditional LSU back that we've been used to as far as being, he's not that 220 pound, you know, bruiser like a letter for net, but he's a better fit for this kind of offense. because He's more that scat back who you can get in space and you can throw the ball to, and he can do some things. Unfortunately, we just found out this week that he's got a hamstring injury. That's probably going to take him out of the peach bowl against Oklahoma. And that's, that's a big injury for LSU because he's really been kind of a safety blanket and, and been a constant for the offense. They've been able to leave him out on the field almost the whole game and really not have to sub a lot, which has allowed them to really, you know, run the, the, the no huddle tempo and go fast at times. So Joe Burrow, I mean, Nebraskans know him well because there's the line that he wanted to go to Nebraska and nobody recruited him and he was told he wasn't good enough or stuff like that. And the entire state is like very angry about our own program. We're already bitter about where we're at. Uh, <laughs> he came in and he just he exploded. I mean, I've since I'm in the Big Ten, I've watched Justin Fields a lot more. And I thought Justin Fields, when I first saw him, I thought that's this this guy is winning the Heisman Trophy. And then Joe Burrow comes in and he walks away with the Heisman Trophy in the biggest, what was it, the most lands, biggest landslide vote in history? Yeah, um, the, the highest percentage, I think, of first-place votes and the biggest margin since O.J. Simpson back in the 60s. How did they, How did he just show up and in one year just hits an explosion? I mean, just the right time, the right place, the right offense, or what? Yeah, kind of all of the above. You know, his first year was up and down. They, they kind of struggled early, but even in his struggles – you know, I, I've joked about this before on other podcasts. He had this knack for playing a game that you would, to your eyes, without knowing his stats, you think, oh, he played okay. And then you look and, oh, well, he was under 50% for his completions for the day. But he, would, he, would, he wouldn't turn the ball over. He, would, he always kind of just made the right decision. And sometimes that was throwing it away. Sometimes that was just taking a sack because that was better than, than putting the ball up for grabs. And you know, scrambling a little, you know, he could run a little bit and one, you know, a runner like Justin Fields or Jalen Hurts, but a guy who could move around and could buy himself some time and pick up a first down every now and then. And you saw the signs that, okay, he could be better. I didn't think he could be this. And then, of course, he got hot down the stretch. He, he has the, the, you know, the big game against A&M. He starts carving up some, some bad teams, but, you know, Earlier in the year, he wasn't even carving up bad teams, so that was still an improvement. And then he lights up Central Florida in, in the Fiesta Bowl, and so you feel pretty good that he's at least going to be okay. He, he may not be a world beater, but he's pretty good. And, well, it turns out that in this offense with the, these receivers, he's really stepped up his game. And the biggest thing is he's just he's always in kind of command and control. He makes the right decision, whether that's, checking it down whether that's okay I got one-on-one putting I'm putting this ball up or 
you know, or okay, I'm going to scramble a little bit or I'm going to run, whatever kind of needs to be done. He's done it so far. And that's what made, was really has made this offense so hard to stop because they've been able to, at, at different times in the year, if a defense is going to say, you know, keep the safeties back and, and okay, we're going to, we're going to take away the big play and we're going to make you, you know, take 10, 12 plays to drive. Burrow's been confident checking to the run or just throwing it short, What you know, kind of dinking and dunking. When teams roll the corners up and say, okay, we're coming, we're coming after you, and, and you're, if you want to beat us, you're going to have to beat us deep, he's been able to do that. And it's created an offense that when it, when they're doing their thing, I, I don't really know what there is any defense can do to stop it. Maybe someone like Ohio State with a Chase Young that can get after Burrow and get him on the ground. Uh without having to blitz too much, we'll have a shot. Auburn Auburn was able to get to him some and, and make a couple of big stops, but even then, LSU still had 500-something yards offense in that game. So it, it, it's it's just been really, really interesting to watch it evolve and watch it do different things at different times, you know? Okay, let's go to Oklahoma. The spread, I think, is up to 14 points now. Is, what worries you about them? They're missing three guys of their own, including, I believe, their starting running back and one of the wide receivers. Uh, but I, you guys should crush Oklahoma. Yes? Well, I don't see Oklahoma stopping LSU. Losing Edwards Hilaire hurts because – is kind of the do-it-all back for this team, and there there are other backs that you know. There's some really talented freshmen that we that we really like in the future, but right now they 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 can't you know by one with one guy do everything that Edward Soler can can do. So if that means LSU has to rotate them, then that means they have to sub, which then means defense can sub, and they can't quite run their tempo the way that they've been able to do at, at times this year. So that could be a that could be a problem, but I don't think Oklahoma's defense has much of a shot. What worries me is Jalen Hurts. It's a guy that we're pretty familiar with. We saw him twice at Alabama as a starting quarterback, and he never put up amazing numbers at LSU, but he was always able to make some big plays with his legs, and that's been a bit of a problem for this LSU defense this year. You know, Ole Miss, albeit in a game where it was a 28-point game really quickly, was able to start ripping off some long runs with their quarterback, who's a little bit of a different player than Hurts. He's a little more of a, a smaller, faster guy. can really scoot. But, you know, Jalen Hurts is also a lot bigger and stronger and tougher to deal with in the open field. So I'm a little worried that they can make it into a shootout. And, and you know, and, and those kind of games, your offense can, can have a great game, but it only takes one or two mistakes maybe, and you can't quite keep pace. So I'm a little worried about trying to deal with Oklahoma's offense. I do think LSU's defense is, is getting healthier and, you know, kind of came on down the stretch. I think they they kind of tore up two offenses that were better matchups than Oklahoma might be. But overall, I, I think it, it, if LSU's offense does what it does, I, I, I don't think Oklahoma's going to be able to keep Okay, I, I mentioned I talked to the Ohio State guy yesterday. He says that he feels the championship game is between Ohio State and Clemson, that either of those teams will beat LSU. Your response? I mean, I'm not going to say that they can. I think either one of the top three of these teams are – the, are, I think this, there was a clear, defined top three here. 
Um, I, I think LSU deserves to be number one based on its resume and who it beat compared to Ohio State. Uh, you know, Ohio State's got a good club. I'm not going to try and stand here and say that that LSU's going to run over them or that they can't that, you know they can't win. But I, I like LSU's chances to score a lot of points on just about anybody. Ohio State maybe has the best shot because of Young to stop them. But they got to get through Clemson. Clemson's another, you know, kind of similar team to LSU in that, you know, good luck trying to keep pace with them. They've got a great quarterback. They've got great receivers. And they've got a really good running back who's actually a Louisiana kid that LSU missed on uh, right at the tail end of the West Miles era. And I, I, I'm thinking that the team that comes out of this, this playoff will we'll be able to stand on its resume as one of the, the better teams of all time because it's going to have, have either either Ohio State's got to beat Clemson and LSU or LSU's got to beat beat Ohio State or Clemson and that's or Clemson's got to beat Ohio State or LSU and that's that's going to be a pretty pretty tough gauntlet I think for any team and and if and if the team if one of those teams thinks they're going to walk over the other two I think that I think that's crazy. Wow, there's I expected some smack talk there. Uh, you know, I'm not a big smack talk person, and you know what? We we we've had, we've given Ohio State their beat down before, so you'd think they'd be a, uh, with a team that they thought that they thought could play with LSU. So you, you'd think they'd be a little wary of that after what happened in 2007. But you know what? It, it'll it'll be a whole lot of fun if it's Ohio State. We've seen them before in, in the Superdome, and I'm just ha- I'm just trying to enjoy the ride for LSU. You know, it's been a few years for us since we we've, we've been kind of here it's I, I keep trying to tell people it's like look for most of my life LSU was not that good you know historic, we're probably a better program historically than we get credit for but for the 90s we were not very good and since I've turned 18 this will now be LSU's this is LSU's possibly fourth national championship appearance with three different coaches and that that's a hell of a run so I'm just trying to enjoy it and and I didn't expect this team – I expected this team to be good. I didn't think they would be playoff – quite playoff caliber. So I'm just enjoying the ride right now. When, when is LSU's last championship? Our last national championship was 2007. We, of course, we played for it in 2011, and and we got screwed over by having to play Alabama a second time, even though they didn't deserve to be in the game. And, of course, they beat us. Right. Uh, okay. I'm assuming you're going to beat Oklahoma, and then you basically get to play what is a home game in New Orleans. And I know I'm supposed to do the New Orleans, which is crap. No, no one down here does. No one down here actually says it that way. We just say it in New Orleans. <laughs> uh, I actually spent I've spent a fair amount of time in Louisiana. I, I by my living, I am a IT consultant, and I did a lot of work for Jefferson Parish. Up here, we call them school districts. Down there, they're parishes. Uh, but I, I worked with quite a few parishes in Louisiana, and I fell in love being in New Orleans. But, well, I also realized that if I moved there, I'd be a 350-pound alcoholic within a year. Yeah, it's but, a lot of fun. <laughs> it's a wonderful I, I grew up party. around the city, so. Yeah. I mean, it's a home game, basically. Describe what you think New Orleans will be like. It should be wild if if if, if I, I think the schedule works the way I think it does. It'll actually be the same weekend the Saints will play a home playoff game, most likely. Uh, I mean, I know they're going to make the playoffs. I guess 
I'm not sure if that would be the wild card or the divisional round or how that works out, but you know, it should be wild. It should be a, a week of partying. Um, this team has definitely captured, I think, a lot of hearts and minds between Ogeron, who there was there was a portion of the fan base that were reluctant on, but there was definitely a lot of, I think, kind of the average rank-and-file fan who doesn't, you know, post on message boards or Twitter who really, really wants him to succeed and really wants him to do well. He, I mean, he's even buddies with the governor at this point. Um, so so it should it should be a lot of fun. And I, I'm looking forward to seeing this team. I, I really, honestly, the, the the Heisman Trophy was the cherry for me because it was. I knew I I knew in my time I'd see LSU play for another national championship and possibly win one. I never thought I would see a Heisman Trophy winner. Wow, that's all I got. Is there anything else you'd like to add that I might have missed? You know, I'll I'll, I'll say this for Nebraska fans because I you know I'm a, a college football fan in general, and and I, I'm always rooting for proud programs to try and, and get back and make a run and I hope y'all can be a little patient with Frost. I think he's got he's got some, some good ideas going, but it's just it, it's a it's a tough road back for, for Nebraska right now and you just kinda you try to be patient. Try not to re over get too high or get too low and just let him keep building things. Cause I I'll, I'll say this because I've seen this happen in a lot of other places. If you just keep turning over coaches and turning over coaches, you're definitely never going to get the right guys. I don't disagree with that at all. Yeah, you got to well, give this guy a chance to see what he can do, and then after yeah. a couple years, then you evaluate. I agree. All right, that's going to be it for this episode with Billy Gomilla from And the Valley Shook. Good luck with your championship hopes. Uh, I, I'll i be rooting for LSU, Ohio State. I never know who I'm going to actually root for until I sit down and, and the game starts and suddenly I go, oh, I want that team to win. Ahead that's of time, I, I, That's how I am with most bowl games. I usually don't really have a rooting interest. I watch down and just kind of let the game kind of take me over. There are games of which I hit, you know, you have the meteor games of which you hope a meteor hits the stadium and wipes yeah. everything up. But, you know, other than that. Okay. Thank you, Coronation people, for listening to the podcast. Please subscribe and give us more downloads. Uh, this will come out before Christmas. I still plan on doing the other two teams, and those will probably not come out until after Christmas. So Merry Christmas, everyone, and go Big Red. All right, there you go.